Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. I'm your host, Ryan Key. And I'm your nasally post-sickness third host, filling in for the other host, Mike Forster. Thanks for having me here, guys. Hey. So many hosts. Just a lot of hosts, you guys. The mostest hostests. Nice. How's your, nice. How's your vid? You know, I, I was one of the lucky few thousand to get uh, COVID at celebration. Um, and uh, yeah, I had two days of feeling uh, quite sick. And then now just this annoying nasal, I feel like I have glue in my nose, which is great if, so you fun. Wanna, if you want to be on a podcast. So yeah, yeah. it's best. Nice. Yeah. Well, yep. Nick isn't sick, but he is so sick, so sick of being tired and also tired of being sick of the Wi-Fi situation. Nice. Where he is. Oof. Tying in the emo. Nice. Segway King, he's back again. <laughs> there he is. We tried to get him on, but he's uh, he's at a venue, so it just failed. So we're gonna we're gonna put him in later. He's gonna record an "I Love You, I Know" for us, and we're just gonna do this as we do. We're gonna make it work. He is suspended in amber somewhere, yeah. in a large fortress. Dino DNA. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about Obi Wan Kenobi Part Four. <laughs> Thank the Maker, a Jurassic Park podcast. Hey, that's a great bonus episode to do for patrons. Yeah. Shout out patrons, by the way. Hey, also, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, because I know we have a bunch of new listeners every time that we cover a show like this, subscribe. It helps us. Press the thing. It helps you know when we have new episodes. It's a win-win. Press the subscribe button or follow. What do the kids say? It says follow now. Smash that subscribe button. Yeah. Smash it. Destroy the subscribe button. Nice. Beat it up. Kick its ass. (laughs) All right, Obi-Wan Kenobi, part four. Like I said last week, we're not going to do stolen plans for these. We'll, we'll get into all that in the wrap-up. There's just, it's too much. We want to kind of react and give you the, the emotional take because we are... Emotional people. Because uh, we're doing these early. We want to get it out as soon as possible so everyone gets our feelings and, and thoughts and reactions. That's how we're doing it. So we'll do a big wrap-up at the end and maybe with a cool guest. We'll see. Hmm. So, Ryan, William, Ryan Key. Yes. Give us your take. You go first. This was the first episode that I found myself like, dude, put your phone down out of all of them. However, <laughs> you totally redeemed yourself. The last like three or four minutes of the episode, we were, we were right back on track with like the best, just like how are we allowed to have this level of Star Wars in our lives again? And the final 45 seconds, whatever, I had actual tears running from my eyeballs. So <laughs> it kind of had that like off the storyline adventure feeling, even though it was in the storyline. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the intern wrote, you know, Obi-Wan plots a mission. Like that was the description for the episode, right? And I, I feel like I've been so invested in Obi-Wan and Leia's connection that having them not together for almost the whole episode right after episode three and just kind of took me out of it a little bit but like i said at the end man huge payoff you know vader 
Vader walking in and again, getting to see Vader in action for lack of a better term. I mean, really seeing him, I noticed a little thing, maybe you guys know that. So after he kind of releases uh, Riva, he like steps towards her, but like with purpose. I mean, like walks sort of briskly, quickly over, like he's kind of aggressive. We, we, we haven't seen, you know what I mean? Like, it feels like there's more movement in the suit. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. he, he feels more comfortable. Who, you know, Hayden is in the suit. Is that? No, he's not. No, he's not. Okay. Nope. So whoever is in the suit feels a little more, com- it seems like, I'm sure, by the way, also the costuming has advanced. It's easier to move around in. It's less like boxy and stuffy and, you know, hard, rigid, I guess would be the word. Um, because you can really feel that the, the actor in, in the costume is, I think, moving a lot differently. So, I was immediately, obviously, like jaw on floor, eyes wide, saucer eyes when Vader walks in. It's just, it's so fucking amazing that we're getting to watch that. And then, and then the end, just the Leia Obi Wan moment. It was emotional, dude. Him looking down at her hand, and I mean that level of the connection between the two of them again just continues to raise the stakes for everything we know that comes after. So it closed super strong, and I'm obviously super excited to see what what happens next week. Mike, how about you? What did you love about this episode? This episode gave me, you know, I'm processing this episode and I think I'm mainly processing the fact that what we saw was, you know, we had like our classic Star Wars chase. We had our classic Star Wars espionage. And then we got this like little dash of horror uh, in in the middle of the, the episode uh, that reminds us that the writers are still fully intending on on letting us know how brutal the empire is, uh, probably going to be seen a lot in Andor, but we definitely were getting that, you know, the inquisitors have certainly shown that they are the enforcers of the empire, but now we're kind of pulling back more of the layers to find out that like the empire has its dark secrets for sure. And that is all completely by design. Uh, and, and also I'm just like, I'm a purist, just like what Ryan said. Anytime I see Vader, being angry, I'm like, well, this is hard to say. This isn't awesome. Uh, and uh, Snowspeeder is my favorite ship. Sorry, X-Wing guys, but the Snowspeeder is my favorite ship. So the fact that I got to see that in beautiful 4K is sweet to me. So that's my takeaway from the immediacy of episode four. Yo, have Snowspeeders, have we seen them hover like that before? Speaking of? I don't think so. I think like when they came cruising into that hangar, I assumed they were just going to like Harrier style, just like stop but it it was cool yeah. to see i don't it's yeah because the the original the original design of them was modifying them to be weaponized cuz i the airspeeder style and i think i remember this from one of the like old school cutaway books of like what's the purple silver snowspeeder um i believe they're basically like tow trucks right they have the harpoon cables to pull ships out of oh. undesirable locations that makes sense um, and so when they when they modified them and put the heating units in them for hoth it made them perfect cuz they're low altitude right so the T47 is an awesome model of ship and i know that it's not as cool as an x-wing but in terms of being like yeah you could have a really sick car or you could have a sick hoverboard that's what a <laughs> snowspeeder is yeah, dude, that was dope to see those. And overall, I liked how this episode did a lot of callbacks, but they were really, really subtle. It was stuff that was kind of under the surface that you have to... I mean, there were a few that were a little more in your face, but things about Leia and the way that she reacts and the way that she deals with things, you think about all of the trauma, like what that would do to the average person, but how that instead informs her character growth 
to be the Leia that we met in A New Hope. And it's just not only well-written, but brilliantly performed by a 10-year-old. So I just love that kid. I can't get over it. Like every time she's on screen, it doesn't matter what happens. She's just brilliant. And um, it was great to see Obi-Wan start to kind of get the feel for the force again. He's trying, you know, he's trying to kind of just pull that little thing in the ship. I don't remember what it was. Something from Hondo Supply. Yeah. And then he goes, uh, he goes full old school lightsaber style. And in the end, hallway scene and all, like, I feel like he gets like 80% back, even if it was just for a moment. And you catch his little, yeah, he, yeah. Got, he finished with some of the troopers and he just did one little spin. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. 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 I think, I think what's, what's interesting is like people are forgetting the effects of what, what your mental, I mean, talk to any war veteran and get their perspective on things. It's not like, you know, there are some things that truly are not like riding a bike. You don't just pick it up again, right? right. And so to have him come at from both sides down a hallway, right, which, you know, basically hallways were the staple of the prequels. Seeing that was cool and intentionally clunky, I feel like. The, the choreography was made to feel that he was intentionally being like, I, I'm barely holding on with this muscle memory that I have to reflect it. And then you start to get the little moments of like, Ooh, I see a control panel. Let's, and you know, hit the control panel with the deflection. Obi-Wan's getting his groove back, baby. Easing the tension, easing the tension. <laughs> Just easing the tension, baby. I also love visually. I mean, I love everything visually in the show, but it finally feels native to the whole thing. Like at first it was a little, not distracting, but I noticed it. I was, it was more conscious like, Ooh, that's a cool shot. That's a cool shot. And now it's just part of it, but I still have my eye on like, oh, there you go. That's what's up, Deborah. She just, she loves symmetry. She loves to compose things in artistic ways. And her style is all over this. Mm -hmm. You know, she's not copying anyone else's style. She's making this her own, yet it feels fully Star Wars. Let's talk about a few things, like just kind of go down the list, different character things, and then we'll get into the den and, and do I love you? I know. Starting off with... Vader and, and Ben, the back to tank cross cut thing at the beginning, just really digging in and, and furthering the parallels. You know, not only did Vader almost try to recreate his experience being defeated by Obi-Wan with the fire, but now we're seeing the aftermath in very similar ways. They cross cut the back to tank stuff, the burns. And it, to me, it, it called back to Luke looking at his own hand after he just cut off Vader's. Do you notice in the shots of Vader at one point, like he, he like lifted his head up and like there's a huge mechanism like in his neck. Oh, in like, his yeah, voice box. Where his trachea is. Yeah, there's like a, a huge black box thing right yeah. there in his, in his neck. Pretty cool. How sick is it going to be to see people cosplaying with all that under stuff now? You know? <laughs> yeah, like just full latex like yeah. burn suit with all that just all walking, the matrix plugs yeah, just, all over them. Yeah, every EMS that's there is like, whoa, whoa, whoa okay, that's right. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We don't need to help this guy. I want to see somebody walking around with like a rolling, like the circular shower curtain thing like Daniel had in the Karate Kid, <laughs> but it's a back to tank, yeah. you know, with the stuff hanging off it. Yeah. I want that. That's next level. That could be you, Adam. That could be you. Maybe. You know a good latex guy? Speaking of character stuff, can I ask you a question if you guys have thought this? Clearly, Reva is one of the kids in the intro scene, right? That's, we're, all on, we're all on board with that, that's right? That's what people are speculating. Do we speculate on this show? I mean, there's a girl. There, there's there. That's her. It's her. It has to be her. I 
have been consistent. I guess that is speculation. For sure, sure. I've if if we, if we are, I've been speculating that Reva is actually on this crusade to get very close to Vader so that she can actually kill him versus be his apprentice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would be epic, but I just, I think that she thinks, I think she saw, I know we're getting off track, sorry, but I think that's her, I think she was there in the beginning when Order 66 happened, you know, imply that she saw Anakin, she knows Anakin was trained by Obi-Wan, she thinks Obi-Wan was in on it and just got away, and he's getting away with the Jedi killing all of the, you know, like fighting the- Her friends. Her friends, yes, exactly. So she's just on a death war path to- yeah to kill him you know uh that that's been my uh, when i'm watching the show i am imagining that the little girl from the very beginning of the first episode growing up to be her every time could be wrong but that's kind of helped me give some depth to her character i like that yeah regardless she's obviously a jedi youngling grown up Mm -hmm. disillusioned felt betrayed she hates everyone in life like she's just been she's been victimized by everyone in her life and mm-hmm. she just wants revenge on every level because like you said anakin and the sith on one side the jedi on the other everyone has abandoned her everyone has betrayed her everyone has given her nothing but pain so yeah i, I see it and dude you and the way she talks to to leia we'll just keep going on reva here she says the people i'm looking for left him there to die talking about obi-wan you know so she's not she's not just using psychological tactics on Leia, she's revealing things about herself and the way she feels. She talks about uh, a droid that she had when she was younger. It was taken from her like everything else. Right. So she's super damaged. She's not yep. a generic evil for no reason, you know, just power hungry kind of character. It's deep. Mm-hmm. So that would be sick if it was her. Yeah, she just she doesn't have, she, she, doesn't, she wasn't born with like seven octaves lower <laughs> just because she's just an evil species. <laughs> right. <laughs> she's also definitely playing the game with Vader, at the end, you know, she says, Kenobi is all that matters, echoing his line from part one, you know, appealing to him. She's obsessed as well, regardless of her, you know, um, ultimate intentions. Sure. Intentions. Yeah. She, she's playing the game. I think she's great. All right. Let's talk. I guess we covered everything with Ben that I had in the notes. The, there is that great line, though, um, from Tala, who says, your body isn't the only thing that needs to heal. When he's coming out of the back to tanker, he, he tries to come out. He has that kind of panic moment. You know, it's on the nose, but I think it it needs to be on the nose for some fans. Like based on the kind of stuff I've seen in social media and seen in comments, just talking about how what's, what's wrong with Obi Wan, dude? What's he doing? <laughs> what you don't you don't get it? They have to tell you. Okay. Um, well, they told you. Jesus. Just don't read comments. That's the lesson. Don't read comments. Like people wanted it just episode one. He's just like flipping, back flipping and yeah. Obi-Ani spinning all episode long. Yeah, that, yep. that sounds like a really deep character story to tell. Do the superhero thing. Um, we did talk about how he's starting to re- regain his, his force powers. And I guess the biggest example of that is when he was holding back the water, holding back the window from cracking. Oh, yeah. And, and it, wasn't, it wasn't like when he grabbed Leia. When he, when he grabbed Leia from falling in the first episode, it was like Beavis trying to do a bench press. He was like just barely doing it. And this one, you know, it was a lot. He was struggling, but he he was back in that. So we'll see. But like I said, I, I think he's like 80% there. I think it's unlocked. And I think they're, they're not only showing it with his actions, but by putting the tunic on him after the back to tank, mm-hmm. they're indicating, okay, our boy's coming back. 
Yeah, we're creeping back up to that to the actual rematch. However, they're going to do that. Yeah, give me some knee-high riding boots on him, and, and we'll know. Um, I wanted to throw this into. I noticed I, I watched episode one with my parents again uh, last night. Mm-hmm. How about talk about on the nose? The full-on tribute to Spielberg with Lola. It's just she's just batteries not included. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean just straight up. Yeah. Like <laughs> the, this shot where she where she like the the little like. Uh, saw blade thing comes out spinning blade <laughs> yes. to cut the it's just batteries not included yeah. straight up so i loved yeah. at the end of this episode when they you know when like she turned all evil in her lights because every time i see her she's like she's just a little flying saucer from from batteries not included yeah. which is a very underrated spielberg movie i loved that movie when i was a kid with mickey ears don't forget that right yeah, yeah. for sure for subtle sure. <laughs> merchandising <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk a little more about Leia, and then I want to close with some Vader stuff before we get into the den, because there's some interesting stuff that we learned. So uh, we mentioned earlier the trauma and how she's resilient, and I mean, superhuman in that sense, not not an average kid. The interrogation when she won't talk, just straight, she ain't no snitch, like mm-hmm. <laughs> straight up won't give them anything, and is like playing games with her too, not just refusing to talk. Yeah, but how she she changes the subject or she'll deflect. Like, I forgot what the question was that Reva asked her, but all, all she responded with was, how did he die about Obi-Wan? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and so I'm thinking like part of it's genuine curiosity and she's genuinely concerned. And the other part is testing her, I think, not believing Reva. So it's just, it's that intuition again. I think it's really, really well written. And then the, the line, is this a staring contest? Yeah. Which she's like, she's doing... You know, it's like uh, it's like Poe at the beginning of The Force Awakens. You gonna talk? Who's gonna talk? Am I gonna talk? You talk first. Yeah. I talk first. Yeah. Who talks first? Yeah. She has all that sass that we grew to love in just straight up the first time we really get to know Princess Leia. She goes, "Oh, you're like the highest ranking Imperial officer, and I could just smell your that ass, your foul stench. Like, holy, like, damn, that's the, that's the quickest way to get shot. Um, like, and, and I love that they're, they're keeping that character that like, that is truly her personality and, and the confidence going into a very tense, nervous, scary situation is so Clone Wars Anakin, hundred percent. Yeah. Fully. Mm-hmm. She also tries to bluff Reva, just like she tried to bluff Tarkin. Reva calls her bluff, just like Tarkin called her bluff. Again, subtle parallels, but not just for throwback sake, not just for nostalgia sake. That's her personality. Like you said, that's, that's the character. I think it's great. All right, let's talk about um, Anakin really quickly. This is like a kind of a pre-Den of Antiquities thing, but I'll mention, and tell me what you guys think. Aside from just the one line that we mentioned, the I am what you made me, really hearing Hayden's performance and cadence and voice in that have you noticed other lines just the way they're delivered the cadence of the you know where he pauses where he accents that it it feels so much like hayden christensen and not like james earl jones yet it sounds like james earl jones right yes 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 yeah there's definitely especially when the last time i think we really heard him and were able to like chew on his dialogue was rogue one and he felt noticeably older in yeah. Rogue One, right? There was there was just like a slowness and uh, some of the, you know, the speech wasn't as crisp, the speech wasn't as clear. It sounded older, but this is such a like, he feels vibrant, right? He feels mm-hmm. like, you know, there is a, there's a certain timbre to- his. And a little more unhinged. Yeah, exactly. So, and I, lo- I love that 
we're still seeing emotional Anakin in this suit, just not afraid to flex. And also just the fact that if you know the story of the Inquisitors, and I know Ryan's... Ryan, did you finish Fallen Order yet? Uh, I'm almost... I, I started streaming it last night, like, to play through the end. I I, I showed you guys a photo. I, I did, like, almost full Cal cosplay last night on stream while I played for, like, two hours. Nice. I was, so yeah. I'm apparently... Apparently, I'm heading into a pretty big part of the story. You're you're going to see a lot of... And th this is kind of like a... And I don't know if this is um, uh, a frustration with the fandom in that most people... It's it's You're going to start to see a lot of parallels with Fallen Order. And that, personally, I think that's awesome because it's only making Fallen Order better. But Fallen Order as a medium, there are a lot of people who didn't play it. I understand that. So we have to kind of like... We have to keep both those parallels going for people that only consume... TV media versus people who do storytelling, uh, video games, all that. So you're going to see a lot of parallels as you're getting to that part of the game, but it really kind of helps flesh out the relationship between Vader and the Inquisitors and that you start to understand that like they're all dogs that are only being held on the leash by the fact that they're being fed. Yeah. And Vader doesn't really care about any of them. And mm -hmm. you really kind of saw how quickly he was able to be like, oh, you failed me. I have no problem coming and breaking your neck right now. Mm -hmm. And he was going to if she wouldn't have been like, oh, let me get this one sentence out. And he was like, <laughs> yeah. okay, I'm listening, you know. What do you got? So, yeah, yeah. So the thing we didn't, and this this is full on Den of Antiquities, but we'll say it now. The thing that we speculated on, but we were... I would say we got it 50% right, the Hayden and James Earl Jones mashup. Turns out, Mike pointed out, where did you find this, that Respeacher is, is credited for use? It wasn't in the credits, was it? I don't think I pointed that out. That might have been something that Nick added, but that Respeacher, that was the same thing that they used for Luke, right, in Book of Boba Fett? Right, so Respeacher is essentially a, a deep fake audio app yes. or, or, or piece of software that uses a you know, a sample, a database, essentially, of of uh, just, I don't know how many hours of, of vocal clips from a certain actor, and then you take the performance of the voice double or the actor, in this case, Hayden Christensen, and just like you would put someone else's face on the body double's face, you're putting another person's voice on the actor's voice here. So it makes so much sense why it sounds like Anakin sometimes, even though it's James Earl Jones's voice. Mm -hmm. And it makes a lot of sense why it sounds, Mike, you just pointed this out, right? Why it sounds so different in Rogue One. Like the, yeah. dude, the dude is 91 years old. Yeah. yeah. So I was immediately, I like that my brain doesn't necessarily do Adam's brain where like I start watching the show and I'm like, how did they recreate, <laughs> you know, the algorithm for, I'm just like, I was just, wow, it sounds amazing. You know, I, I was like, how, how did, James Earl Jones get this like pep in his step for this show at 91 because he's like on fire vocal performance wise, you know, so now now I know. And he has one of the most iconic voices of all time, right? Mm -hmm. And has done narration. I mean, he, in terms of like, you know, because if you remember that episode, they talk about being able to put in data for the computer to learn all of the information it needs to know to basically be able to analyze and like resequence the way that someone would say it. And Mark Hamill, of course, you know, he had some narration, he had some, some other things that he had done, but in terms of like the library for James Earl Jones's voice yeah, dude. is 
so vast compared to Mark. His Mark filmography Hamill. is incredible. Yeah, his filmography is is so much deeper than Mark Hamill because most of the stuff Mark Hamill did after Star Wars was voice acting. So it's not really right. his voice. You know, he's playing characters um, and right. doing sort of character voices. Whereas James Earl Jones is just, you know, he was in Tom Clancy movies and whatever else. Feel the dreams. Like I know you have been inconvenienced, and I'm prepared to compensate you. Shall we say one million American dollars? No way. Better well than two million. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be. It's gotta be a hundred movies or more. Yeah. So, so it's but, it's, yeah. it's so, so cool, cool I, man. It's amazing. It's a, technology is incredible. It sounds perfect. It sounds perfect. Like it, it's on a different level than the the deep fake facial recognition stuff, yeah. which is our which we've talked about. Is it's come so far, but this is just. I I genuinely was like, wow, dude sounds yeah. insane for being ninety one years old. And obviously, it helps that it's so, so affected the the voice. There, they faked me. The, there's there's so much masking. Whatever l- tiny little artifacts are there, but for sure, it's like you said, it's spot on. And it's not only spot on, but it's even better. Like the the ways that it's different makes it better. It doesn't make it seem like it's coming up short because it is the the blend of. It's not just some random dude doing the voice. It's the young Anakin that we knew, same actor who's now older. It's just it couldn't be a more perfect alignment of time and technology and performance and actors i think it's interesting from a recording uh, or i guess a, a production and like mixing standpoint if i'm doing something and i, and I want to recreate a sound that i don't have anymore you know i don't have the session i don't have that amp i don't have whatever it's like it's impossible you're, you can't you're not you can't go in there and just i, I mean so, some wizards can but you know what i mean like you can't ever get it exactly the way it was in some other session or some other album or whatever this is just, it, it's just is like, what, how did they know what, there were no plugins. There were no, there was no digital audio interface for, for Vader's voice back. It was all, all analog outboard gear. Maybe there's documentation of that. You know, we, we, we took, we used this microphone and it went through this preamp and this compressor and this EQ and to cut, because it's not just about the EQing, you know, changing the highs and lows and mids of the, of his voice. It's, it's the cult, the way that that particular EQ colors his vocal performance from 1977, you know? So the fact that it sounds so authentic and so true to the original vocal performance is wild to me that they were able to recreate it. And who knows how much of that is algorithmic software. Like we talked about, you know, they're taking, they're taking the sound from the original trilogy and, and using it in, in the, what's it, what's it called? Respeacher. Respeacher, right? So Maybe it's it's intelligent enough to actually be recreating the sound without a bunch of gear, but it's either way. However, it's happening. That technology is it melts my brain a little bit because yeah. I know what goes into <laughs> trying trying to reproduce a sound that you've made in the past without having that gear to reproduce the sound. It's really really gnarly, and it sounds so good. I also wonder if they brought James Earl Jones in to read, you know, read the Declaration of Independence. You know, let's get every possible phoneme in Darth Vader's voice Mm -hmm. and combine that with the, the, the existing library. I wonder what could also be interesting though, is like how this kind of changes things moving forward. I know that this has kind of been the tail end of every making of that we've seen since the Mandalorian, you know, there have been, including James Earl Jones, there have been six people that have voiced Darth Vader in Star Wars media. So that's video games. That's, you know, if they do any kind of audio recording, some better known voice actors uh, and some lesser known, but there are video games. There are audio books that have had people doing performances of James Earl Jones's 
impression of Darth, version of Darth Vader. Um, and being that we're trying to all make it seem like it's one centralized person, you wonder how many different voice actors are going to be out of a job because yeah. they pretty much made it perfect, you know? Um, so will this, will this, you know, will this spill over into video games in the future? You know, Vader Immortal was really cool on Oculus. Um, you know, all of this stuff, you just start to think about it and you're like, oh man, this is very odd to watch this turn into something that we, of course, like it's easy to consume it because we're loving the medium, but you also look at it and go, we might never hear a human voice Darth Vader again. Mm -hmm. But Which, we're hearing Hayden's voice. You know what I mean? So for sure, that's that's really exciting to think about. And the, it's like it's like preserved. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's successfully and and uh, respectfully preserved to use forever. Now it sounds like the real thing. Yeah. You know, use it. Yeah, I love it. I'm excited. All right, let's move on to the Den of Antiquities. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Over a thousand generations. It is the dark side. Oh gosh. It's a Calicori. A Sith Wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. The Den of Antiquities. Nick would do this, but he's not here. We'll hear from him later. Starting with Obi-Wan back in the water, the Phantom Menace style. He's using an underwater breathing device called the A99 Aquata Breather. Yeah, oh, wow. Not Aqua Breather, Aquata. Is that right? Sounds like plastoid. All right. First scene in The Phantom Menace used by Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon on Naboo. Convenient. A little pocket-sized thing. Let me get one of those. You're going to die here, you know. Convenient. <laughs> Sneaking through the underwater entry point, Nick says, is the same in Fallen Order. Have you gotten there yet, Willie? Uh, swimming with the breather. Mario style up under yeah. the thing? Mm-hmm. Empire mm -hmm. might not have known yet. Might not have known that's how Obi-Wan got in, so they didn't fix it for uh, Fallen Order. Gotta seal those holes, boys. <laughs> Purge Troopers. Is this their first live action appearance, Mike? This would be a question uh, for you, it probably. It, yes, it depends. So um, I actually talked with Kevin Weir of Imperial Surplus, who's the guy who is known as the guy who makes all the clones. But he, on my episode of Armor Party with him, uh, he revealed that it was him and Chris Bartlett who were the Purge Troopers at Celebration for the release of Fallen Order. So they actually built those costumes with the old school clone, old school, the, not old school, the, the clone beehive helmet that's painted black. So the first appearance of a character in their media was apparently Darth Vader number 13 in 2017. But what I think really came for them to be pushed out marketing wise was jedi fallen order and there's different classification have you started fighting them yet ryan which troopers the purge troopers uh the all black with the they have different like some of them have the like the scythe some of them have the staff some of them have like the uh i think you fight some of them pretty early in the game i think with the staff they're yeah. like electric Yes. Electrified staff. Yeah. And thing. the helmet looks kind of, it almost looks like a, like a black piece of shiny poop. 
like the way it's kind of stacked. Yes, yes. It's the it's the airborne. It's the clone airborne trooper. We call yeah. them the beehive. Yeah. That's white and yeah. gold. It's all black, and then their body armor is actually clone uh, body armor as well. So, but there's different classifications of them. Uh, so that's so this this what we saw today is seems to either be like uh, either what we saw in Fallen Order was like version two. Or because this is a little bit ahead of that. So they have almost like more of like a uh, what really looked like for me, at least, was the gunner helmet in the first order, oh. which I thought was interesting mm-hmm. because that looked like a sequel helmet. And side note, the airspeeder helmets were resistance helmets with a different blast shield on the front. Did you notice that, too? Nope. That's a very Mike oh, thing to notice. Oh, with the, the cheekbone thing, <laughs> yes. right? Yes, yeah, they, they came were, farther they, down on their cheeks. Yeah, yeah, they were not Rebellion X-Wing helmets, which is what Luke and they were on Hoth. Um, but if you look at the comparison to it, it was actually a Resistance helmet with a different blast shield on the front. So I'm not sure if that was like a gaffe in the costume department or if they were like, we've got these helmets here, let's repurpose them. Mm. Or if it was trying to maybe... So anyway, so I thought if, if you're into the details, um, you'll notice that after listening to this episode. So yeah, the Purge Trooper is a earlier version than what we see in Fallen Order where they were most prevalent another potential first live action appearance is the seeker droids mm-hmm. that are floating through um all, all around fortress inquisitorius Nur. they're like mini probe droids that have spidery kind of legs we we saw them for the first time i want to say in fallen order right mm-hmm. and then we see them in rebels but those were but there's also viper droids there's also viper droids which are like a more heavily armed yeah not version that's what they call them in fallen order right yeah viper droids yeah yeah mm-hmm. so i think i think the seeker droids were more of like a combination of the inquisitors you because you remember one of the sisters had the the droid that popped off yeah and then you also had that in battlefront that's right you, battlefront. you had these like almost like yeah they almost had these more like mobile droids that are able to pop up so this almost seemed like they were like if we have like five different classifications of them now seeker droids seem like they were right below that viper droid which is more weaponized I like that. There is a shot. I like this one a lot here. There's a shot mid-episode. So Tala, she she's infiltrated the base. She's got her Imperial uniform on, and she's at that terminal with her code cylinder trying to... She's looking at the, the specs. There's one right there on screen. Patrons can see that. Patreon.com slash ThinkTheMakerPod. She's got a comm link in her hand. That's It's an old-school Imperial comm link. It's the white cylinder with the black grip on it, just like we saw in A New Hope for the first time. She goes to deal with that dude who says, hey, you're not supposed to be here, basically. So she she leaves the comm on the desk, goes back, and then Obi-Wan radios to her. She doesn't hear because the comm's just sitting there. But the shot... Neither do any of the other guys sitting there at their terminals. It's um, conveniently. It's very directional audio. So <laughs> that shot, it's the exact same framing. It's a close-up, shallow depth of field, it looks just like the one in A New Hope when 3PO has to go hide mm-hmm. and he leaves the comm and then he comes back and grabs it. Hand comes in the frame and the camera tilts up. It's a straight up reference. Cool. It was pretty cool. Let's see. The Jedi in the tomb that we haven't talked about, the tomb at the bottom that Obi-Wan finds, the, uh, looks like they're suspended in amber. There are a handful here and I don't know how many of these are confirmed, but we have a list. The alien in the first chamber with the Jedi tunic on, it seems to be Jedi Master Terra Sanube yes. from the Jedi Council, who we've seen in the Clone Wars, hasn't been in live action yet. It, it looks like him. It's, it's like confirmed 
at this point. Wow. Like, okay. The the matching headpiece and everything. Yeah. Sick. Okay. And he's he's like the old. He's kind of old and moves slow, and he tells her that like moving slow sometimes can. Yes. I don't remember what the Whoa. exact line is. Yeah. Okay. There's a Jedi in there. Uh, the species is Angry. Coleman Kaj, I want to say is the pronunciation. Yep. As a council member. First appeared in Revenge of the Sith. Yep. Um, there's a youngling with a helmet. That's brutal as hell. Yeah. There's a Quinlan Voss looking kind of character, but it's not Quinlan Voss. So there's no line across the bridge of the nose. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Is that makeup? Is that actual skin markings? Like going back to it, it just seemed like it was someone with some kind of different hair. I mean, it. I, I wonder if it was to intentionally psych us out because we had already heard his voice. So it's like, you know, Obi-Wan, what does that do to his psyche if right. he goes in and goes, whoa, Quinlan was here and then comes down and finds his body suspended and like that's like, right. oh, my hope is now drastically draining. And then we also had, there's the the kind of that big frontal like boxy boxy helmet with kind of flowing robes someone online had either posted that it was is it Sate Pistage who's one of Palpatine's advisors from Return of the Jedi or George Lucas's cameo character in was it Revenge of the Sith Natal how do you say it Natalwitzki Papanoida yeah but that dude is that that's a different species though right I mean it's hard it's hard to know it was like it's very, I'm, I'm looking at the picture right now, but that helmet is like very boxy and that very reminded similar. me more of the, uh, of Palpatine's advisor than sure. Lucas's so it could be maybe possibly, but I, I think it's also important to notice that they're not all Jedi. Yeah. And we saw that with Roken at the beginning, um, where he says that my wife was, she discovered that she was special or whatever he said. So it's like, mm-hmm. they didn't have to be Jedi. They just we had to knew be, what she was before we got married is what yeah. he said. Right. So they were just taking four sensitives and for some reason, certain people ended up down there. Um, And another interesting point about that while we're on that uh, is that the color and the suspension of it, first of all, creepy as hell because there was nothing wrong with them. They were like suspended and like they had been like frozen in time, like their eyes were wide open. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Um, versus, you know, we didn't see them like hunkered up or, 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 you know, glossy, but the, the color was very similar to the Snoke tubes in Rise of Skywalker. Oh. So now we've got possibly the beginning of the cloning. Mm. We see it halfway through in Mando, and then we see mm-hmm. we see Exegol in its full operational form. So the Empire is up to something, for sure. All right, couple left here in the den. We forgot to mention this, but while we're talking about Fortress Inquisitorius, the lightsabers and youngling helmets displayed in the Inquisitor's War Room, that shelf that kind of goes across the back, it's got red lighting on it. Good God, that's brutal. I mean, yeah, seeing a kid frozen in amber, also brutal too. But just the helmet by itself, there's something more haunting about that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like we just chopped this kid up and all we brought back was the helmet. Dark. Trophies. Yeah. Predator style. There is also the, what's the name of the class of ship that they fly? Shuttle Tidarium. A Lambda class. Lambda class. Lambda class escort shuttle. Um, you can see it for a brief second when the snow speeders come in and start blasting them. Uh, nice. But I was like, ooh, that's cool. So in, in some ways, we're like in a very interesting design crossover. Transition. Where we have like, cl- yeah, classic OT. And then we have this like 
former prequel. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, the, all the Alderaan stuff, you know, the ship that, um, that Leia's aunt and uncle came on had kind of a high, very much, not kind of, very much a hybrid OT prequel look. Like the nose of it and the body of it was kind of rounded, but then the sides were very industrial and, and uh, you know, kind of gritty looking. So, I, you know, the concept that ships just started to become more about necessity than luxury because every, the, you know, the galaxy was just being run by a dictator and no yeah. one could afford stuff. and World War II know, style. So, yeah. You also think about car design, how you go from like, you know, actually you go all the way back to the 50s. Everything got really round. Yeah. And the 70s, it got mm-hmm. boxy. And like 80s. And like glitzy too. You know, yeah. those, those like 40s, 40s, 50s, the real first surge of automobiles being mass produced. They were like really gaudy and curvy and sexy. And then yeah. they became certainly more about necessity and just, well, this is just to get you from a to B for the, the consumer cars. Anyways, if you weren't buying a sports car or a, right. But even though it's like, look at, look at like a 1983 Mustang 5.0 there, every edge is super sharp. They're real boxy. They don't look good at all. And, and I think that there, then you get to the mid nineties and you see something like a Dodge Viper that looks like mm-hmm. a spaceship. Yeah. It's like a throwback to that, like curvy more mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I think there's something to that. And, and I think as to Mike's point, like there's been a cool, we're in this cool midsection of like the last remnants of, of prequel design. And we're just transitioning into gas crisis and bare minimum ships. Right. And then last thing, this is just, um, this is an observation. This isn't necessarily intentional, but I thought it was cool. When Ben rescues Leia and he comes in with the lightsaber, it's mostly dark in that room. And he ignites the saber just at the last second before he hits that first stormtrooper, deactivates it comes around the back, hits the other one on and off, just like Ahsoka in the opening scene of the Mando episode where live-action Ahsoka was debuted. Dig it. Mm-hmm. I dig it. Also, just murdering. Just murder. The yeah. murder in this show <laughs> on a level. I love you. I know. Favorite scenes, favorite quotes. Brian, can you go first? Uh, I was very moved by the final scene. Leia taking Ben's hand and I was surprised how emotionally overwhelmed I felt during that moment, but they really ramped it up there at the end. Like the, the hallway fight scene was, was awesome. And the scene you just referenced, you know, the kind of horror, like Obi-Wan attacking in the dark scene, that was all cool. But from Vader on, they really ramped it up at the end there for like your nostalgic fan that we're getting so much of nurtured here in this show. So I was surprised how, I don't know, like overwhelmed with emotion I was in, in that, that scene by just the simple hand-holding. But there's just the, the connection between the two of them, man. That's, what I, that's my biggest takeaway of the show so far. Mike, how about you? Yeah, I would say, again, kind of at the top of the discussion, you know, I'm such a sucker because Empire is my favorite. I grew up in a place where it's always snowy, so the snow speeder was my jam. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they said whatever the reference was, the T-47, some people didn't put that together. And Got some T-47s in the garage. Yeah. I'm like, oh, here we go. You know what I mean? Like, so so by <laughs> default, like, the, the kid in me was so excited to see that because also partially it means that possibly they will bring that toy back and I can finally buy it and put it on my shelf again because the aftermarket yes. for those in every sense of it is insane right now. Uh, so I'm hoping that maybe we'll see Hasbro rebox that thing up. Um, Vader 
being on Vader being Vader is always awesome. I'm completely on board with that. And as someone who really loved Fallen Order, it's been really cool to see how inspired they were by that series, which goes to show you that the teams that worked on that were pretty monumental to Star Wars storytelling. I think that's awesome. Ryan, you were going to love the end of that game. So I, I'm, it's hard, it's hard to say like favorite, but I'm going to say seeing snow speeders in this form was, that's my personal take for sure. Sick. Now we go to Nick Canberian via time machine. Hey everyone. It's Nick. I'm on tour. I really tried hard to uh, record with the rest of the boys, but actually the Wi-Fi was the issue. I did great. The Wi-Fi was the issue. So, uh, yeah, episode four, chapter four of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Pretty awesome. Uh, I stayed up at till 3 a.m. because I'm on the East Coast to watch it and then watch it once again this morning in preparation to record. But uh, here I am just in the back of Bayside's tour bus right now. But uh, I'm doing my best, people. But uh, I like this episode. It seemed like a good transitional episode to what I'm hoping is like a two-part huge culmination where we all cry a bunch. But uh, I'd say my favorite uh, I love you, I know moment in this episode. And I'm saying this without hearing Ryan or Adam's, their answer. I love the actual motherly instinct of Leia at the end of the episode where she reaches out and grabs Obi-Wan's hand and then his loving embrace back to kind of just be the father that uh, Anakin never has been able to be for Leia. So that's my favorite part. I thought the action was great. It looked great. Vader was a total badass lifting up Reva with uh, the force and choking her out before she uh, let him know that she used Lola as a tracking device. So that was another cool moment for sure, but we need more Vader. We need more Obi-Wan. I feel like we're getting away from Ben being around and Obi-Wan is just around the corner. So hopefully I could record next week. I will work on my setup and hopefully not need a uh, crazy good Wi-Fi to record. I love you all. May the force be with you. It's like he was really here. Magic. My favorite scene moment same thing, Leia grabbing Obi-Wan's hand. And they didn't just, they didn't mutually reach out to hold hands. She grabbed his hand. And it lasted. Yeah. It lasted for a, a full minute or more or something. They just kept showing their hands together yeah. and like different angles of them sort of like looking at their hands together. And it was really intense. And the look she gives him is so beautiful and emotional. Again, just shout out to this 10 year old's acting prowess. It's unreal well there's something that is being delivered with a heavy hand in that she knows bail is not her real father and she yeah now we know that she already knew that it's not like her cousin just told her that and she's like what you're not my parents she, she knew already yeah. at 10 or whatever so the look she gives obi-wan is i mean she, I, I feel like even though she has parents she's she's searching you know she's still yeah. searching for like the father figure or whatever you know so she's definitely looking to him in this like what are you in my life? Like, what do you mean to me? And I know you're not my father, but you kind of feel like you are. But, you know, that it's there's a lot going on, as you say, for a 10-year-old. There's also got to be a force connection there, which she feels that she, she doesn't feel to her adoptive parents, despite how much she may love them. There's something deeper. And I, I would, in my head, Kenan, I would say that it's not just the connection because he was there at her birth, that they know each other in that way, but... The connection to her father, the secondhand connection, I would guess is resonating whether or not she understands why. 
or understands what it is. I like that. So that was a deep moment for me. That's my favorite as well. All right, let's wrap it up. Overall, great episode. I'm excited to see what happens in the next two. And rumor has it, I think we said this, did we say it last week? Rumor has it, we're getting a second season and that they reworked the finale, the season finale to allow for that. So it'll be interesting. Ewan McGregor just, I think Ewan McGregor's like, wow, this is insane. The fan base is insane. Yeah. You know, well, the, the people that are not terrible, awful, racist pieces of shit on the internet. Right. I think he's extremely impressed with, or, or moved might be the word by the outpouring of love for Obi-Wan as a character. And he's like, man, I got to do this while I can. Like, I, yeah. I, I want to play this character for as many of these as they'll let me because that, that'll be it. Your fans are very impressive. Right. And I'm sure Disney is as impressed as we all are. We, I, I think we all expected him to do well because he's such a great actor and he was really the highlight of the prequels for most. But the way he plays his character, and I don't know if I've said it to this degree on this podcast yet, he just is Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's so effortless. Like you watch this and you think, man, yeah, acting can't be that hard. You know what I mean? It doesn't look, it never looks like he's acting. And it's, if you watch this as a studio and you don't say, we have to get this dude in everything we possibly can, (laughs) you don't know what you're doing. So, I mean, as a character, there is a lot of meat on the bone. Not to say that that makes it easy, but it definitely makes it easier uh, if you're already as talented as Ewan McGregor is. He has so much to pull from. There's such a long, defined storyline for who Obi-Wan is. And, you know, he he had to dream up whatever his, you know, how he grew up as a child and what his parents were and how he came to be a Jedi. And he, but he did all that already 20 years ago. So what's happened to le- especially leading up to this series is is all he's played out so much of it so i think again being as talented as he is it actually is kind of easy for him to step into these shoes because there's just so much for him to play with yeah there's so many uh levels to his character that he's already explored so he's just turning the switch back on and and getting to carry it on you know there's not a lot of research he had to do to play the role of obi-wan kenobi in the series he he is the research he's already done it you know he'd be researching himself Right. So I, I totally agree with you. He's absolutely killing it. Well done, sir. All right, Mike, you go first. Tell the folks where they can find you on social media, what you have coming up, and so on. Uh, well, if you listened to our live stream the other night, there is full steam ahead on lots of projects. Mosh Eisley was a huge hit. Celebration was so much fun. And my little side gig of ID making counterfeit called Hondo Supply is going to be reopening probably by the time this episode comes out and uh, planning for season two of armor party, which is a podcast talking all about star Wars costuming and all this cool stuff that we're seeing on screen. You can find me talking about that stuff over at armor party show on Instagram and also Hondo supply on Twitter. We're just having fun over there. It's nice. It's nice to just retweet positive people. Yeah. Hot takes. So yeah, find me on there and look forward to, all this stuff we have it's a good summer star wars i'm like super excited oh yeah ryan key how about you my socials are all at william ryan key a couple quick things uh i'm going to be uh performing a live show like a ticketed live stream full acoustic show from here in my studio on june 24th it's not on sale yet but i'll be posting on my socials at william ryan key everywhere uh with ticket links and stuff you'll be able to go to william 
to grab tickets for the show. I'm trying to do one this month, maybe one next month. We'll see how it goes. But I haven't done any kind of live stream music stuff in a long time. So I felt like it was time and I'm not touring. So figured it might be fun. And I'll find out soon if people agree that it will be fun. We'll, we'll know soon. Uh, so that show is going to be on June 24th. I'm streaming a lot on Twitch. You can follow me, twitch.tv slash William Ryan Key. A lot more relaxed than last year when I was streaming. I'm just gaming, hanging with friends, chatting, nothing too serious. But we're having a good time. The first couple of days on stream back in like six months have been amazing. And then lastly, um, I have a new musical project called Jetta. If you're listening to this podcast, you get it. If you know, you know. You know how to spell it. Yeah, you know how to spell it already. But you can find us uh, at Jetta Music anywhere on the interwebs. And uh, this coming Friday, the 17th, well, sorry, next Friday, June 17th, we are uh, releasing our first motion picture soundtrack, which we recorded in back in summer of 2020 uh, for a film called Dinner Party. So we'll be releasing the full soundtrack next Friday. Check it out. It's uh, The music we're making is, is uh, I guess you call it sort of like ambient electronica, kind of dancey, kind of fun, super vibey. And uh, would love for you guys to check it out. My stuff is all at Adam the Skull. This podcast can be found on Instagram and TikTok at Thank the Maker Pod, on Twitter at Thank the Maker, Mosh Isley, which we mentioned before. And if you know, you know, that is on Instagram at Mosh Isley, on Twitter at Mosh underscore Isley. We'll be on TikTok sooner than later, even though that event only happened once so far. We're still gonna be very active with that social media presence with that brand we have a lot of exciting things coming so follow that pay attention it's going to be good especially for uh you folks that live in the intersection of pop punk emo and star wars it's for you it's for us it's great dudes thanks for hanging uh nick enjoy your ride back in the delorean to whatever time you came from patrons thank you for being here with us and until next time may the force be with you 